The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 86. The top eight hostels in the world are all located in Portugal, as voted on by the Hoskers. Yes, that's a real thing. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that will teach you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the man staying for free, air quotes, free, in Norway, Jason Moore. (laughs) Hey, I try to stay for free whenever possible, Trav, and... I don't know if this is free yet. We're offering up some cash here. I, I, I don't want to be a freeloader. I never like to be a freeloader, but we'll see what happens. If they say no, I'm not going to be upset, you know? There you go. Guys, this is part two. So we decided that we we're going to cut this into two sections because we should have known this, but we talk a lot. So this is part two of our 21 ways to save money on accommodation. So if you missed yesterday's show, you can go find that where we talk about the first 10 ways. And today we're going to go on the next 11 ways to save money and put them all together, a nice little package, 21 ways to save money on accommodations. Everyone loves saving money on accommodations, right, Chase? So, I mean, this is right up everyone's alley. Absolutely. It's what's not to love, right? (laughs) Yeah. So just to recap... We'll just run through this really quick. Again, you can get that whole show where we kind of dive deeper into it. But we have number one, negotiating a better deal. Always try to negotiate. Number two, stay in the off season. Gives you negotiation leverage as well as it's going to be naturally cheaper anyway. Number three, longer stays. The longer you stay, again, you can negotiate down better deals, but it's also going to be cheaper. People want people in their place, whether it's an apartment or a hotel. Number four, booking online versus the front desk. Go with whichever's cheapest. We told a funny story in yesterday's show about you know why it was cheaper booking online, even though I was standing at the front desk. So you might want to hear that. Number five, Jace, you love this one. Give them number five because this is, this is your forte here. Have a story. And by that, you're going to have to listen to the last episode. But having a story can be critical and very key and can really work wonders when you are traveling, getting better discounts or better rates, I should say. Jason's story is fantastic. Even if you don't (laughs) care at all, you should just go to listen to that. Fantastic, funny story of how he was able to get half off an accommodation. Number six, we kind of then go in away from the strategies or theories into other accommodation options. When we say other, we mean other than hotels, which we're going to touch on today. So number six was house-sitting I love, love, love house-sitting. I'm smitten with house-sitting as I rapped on yesterday's show by accident. So house-sitting, we've talked a lot about that. Number seven, apartment rentals. We're talking about Airbnb, go with O, home away. Apartment rentals are great, especially for bigger groups or families. Number eight, couch surfing is basically when you stay at someone's house for free, either in a room or on their couch or what have you, a shared economy type thing where, where you go for free. Number nine is Woofing. 
What's woofing, Chase? It's uh, working worldwide at organic farms in exchange for accommodations, essentially. Getting your hands dirty and earning your bed. Exactly. And number 10 is camping. And Jace gave us a great link, freecampsites.net for camping. And that's a really cool way to stay and obviously save money on your accommodations. So those are the first 10. Now, why don't we dive into the next 11? We have 11 other ways. A lot of these are going to focus on hotels, but there's a few other kind of other accommodation options that we're going to hit on first. So let's dive right into that. Jace, give us number 11. What is number one today? But we'll just stay with the numbers from yesterday because we're supposed to be all together, right? So number 11. (laughs) Number 11 from this dual episode is hostels. And uh, this could be a whole episode on its own, I guess, Trav. I mean, how how many hostels have you stayed in at this point? Can you even count? I could count. It might be a lot of dead air as we're waiting for me to figure it out. <laughs> so I would say that I've stayed at over 25. It's probably more like over 30 or 35 all around the world. I might be, oh, I don't know. I might be over 100. I, I have no idea. I've stayed in a lot of hostels and I don't know, some hostels, I guess, some guest houses. There's This is the thing. It gets a little, we didn't even put guest houses on this list, but in different parts of the world, what they call a guest house may in fact be a little bit of a hostel too. But hostel essentially, just to define it for this show, will be some type of entity that offers shared accommodation in a room. So it doesn't have to be every room, but some room will have, you know, sleeps up to four people. And by that, we mean four random people, you know, or if you're with three other friends, I guess you could take over the whole room. But hostels are right. an incredibly easy way to see the world on a budget and don't be turned off if it's something that you're like oh hostels are like dirty and that's what 20 year old backpackers stay and you know i don't want to get into that nasty shower and all that stuff yeah there's some truths to some of the rumors i suppose but there are so many hostels out there that offer private rooms where you can have your own room, your own bathroom. There's common areas where you can hang out and get to know other travelers. A lot of them offer tours and different easy ways to go out and see the city that they're in. And you're going to get what this episode is about, which is better prices. And we have actually talked about a hostel in a past episode that I didn't even know we both stayed at, the Mountain Hostel up in the mountains in Switzerland, which, I mean, arguably had the best view out of any hotel or any place I've ever stayed in my life. I was looking at a million dollar view for whatever it was, 10 or 15 bucks out my window of the Swiss Alps. So hostels rule, man. Yeah. For so long, I've tried to fight the good fight, right? Of trying to convince people that the word hostel is in a quote unquote dirty word. And I think I I have converted some people. I've had emails from people saying like, I didn't consider hostels until you talked to me about it. I've had actually my parents look into staying in a hostel once. Now they, it was ended up being booked, but that was the Lisbon destination hostel in Lisbon, Portugal, my favorite hostel I've ever been in. You know, I think it's to the point where if people think hostels are just for young backpackers and they're super dirty and this and that, that's what they're going to think. We know that it's not that way. Hostels have really changed over the last 10, 15 years. They really are, in essence, almost some boutique hotels with shared accommodations. So you have hostels that have dorm rooms, as you mentioned. Sometimes they sleep up to 16, 20 people in a dorm room. That's rare now. That used to be the way it was. That's rare now. Usually it's like four people in a room. 
And then they have private rooms. And me and Heather now, usually, if it's available, go with the private room. It's a little more expensive, but you still have the hostel feel. That's what I love. You still have the unique vibe of a hostel. You still have the social atmosphere. Usually, there's a lot more going on at a hostel than a hotel. So... You know, you have activities, you have shared dinners together. You know, you usually have a shared kitchen, which you can make your dinner, or maybe they prepare it and you pay for it. You know, you do pub crawls, you do walking tours, all types of cool stuff with hostels, and you have other travelers coming through. So it's a really good way to meet people, especially if you're a solo traveler, and it is much, much cheaper than hotels. And and again, especially if you're a solo traveler and you, you know, you would rent a regular two person hotel room, standard two person hotel room, here you can get a bed in a shared room or something like that for a lot cheaper. So I love I love hostels. I think they're a fantastic way to travel. Yeah, can't say enough good things. The cast of characters you meet at hostels are, are one of the one of the best reasons to stay at a hostel, I guess. Just like you said, the people you meet and it's almost like a mini adventure in itself, right? Each hostel experience is like, all right, let's see what's gonna happen in here. But in in a very good way, you know, yes, you can end up at some where it's it's noisy or people party too much or stuff. And there's there's some tricks. I mean, we could literally maybe we should do a whole episode on hostels, best practices around hostels, because there are certain things when it comes to selecting the hostel, things that you should bring like earplugs are very important. That's an essential item. I think if you're going to stay in a dorm room to have earplugs so you can block out, I guess, some of the the noise when people are coming yeah. out of the room and there's just, there's just a lot around it. It's a, almost a whole subculture. If you haven't done it before, try any, I mean, take a chance, you know, try it, go stay in a hostel for one night, see what it's all about. It's super fun. You might just find you have a great time and you've just discovered a new way to budget travel the world. Yeah, and check out Hostel Bookers, Hostel World are the two main big ones. They they all have reviews on them so you can you can know what you're getting into ahead of time. Check out Hostels. We'll link up the post I wrote why hostels are better than hotels. That was the name of the post. It basically goes down all my reasonings and some of them we talked about. So that's Hostels. They they're cool and they're cheap and you meet fun people, right? So number 12, Jason's recommendation. I guess I get to say it here. Boondocking boondocking why do i love that word yeah it's a well it's a great word first of all i don't even know if that's the official word i've heard of that word through now that it's on the podcast it's it'll be in the lexicon it'll be in webster within (laughs) three days from right now (laughs) yeah i'm sure my dad introduced me to this word actually because him and my stepmom travel in an rv so they go all over the country they do the whole rv thing and boondocking boondocking is a term that refers to sleeping for free in a parking lot, essentially. So there's a lot of boondocking going on. Much cooler when you say boondocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just adding a sexy term to something that's really unsexy, I guess. But sleeping in a parking lot in Walmart, a Walmart parking lot, for example, in America or something like that. Now, okay, that's a very, I guess, extreme example. It doesn't sound very sexy, maybe because it's it's not, you know? But the bottom line is you're sleeping for free. And I've boondocked in several different situations. One time I was driving a van from, I was working for an adventure travel company as a guide, actually. I had to get a van from San Francisco to New York City. It's like a five-day drive. It's a pretty long drive. And they didn't really give us a budget to sleep. We're supposed to stay in our tents or, or wherever we could, I guess. And I just didn't want to spend money when I'm just going to wake up and drive the next day. And I didn't really need to shower that bad. I, I, I sound like a dirty traveler now. I guess I well, am. Well, you by yourself. You were yeah, alone? Yeah, just by myself. Yeah, so, so you didn't need a shower. No. Poor so ladies I, at the gas station when you stop to fill up and get like some water and donuts. But, 
<laughs> yeah, that was actually like putting perfume on, was walking into the gas station, pick up a couple Twinkies or something. But yeah, just stop Rub on the- Rub them on your body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stopping and, you know, stop driving at two in the morning and just pulling off at a rest stop, making a little bed in the back. Maybe I'd have a, a knife nearby. I'm not going to lie. It was the, you know, safety- conscious, I guess. But it's, it, it wasn't really dangerous and it wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. So just sleeping in the van uh, at the exit and getting up and, and taking off the next day, that can come in handy, I think, if you're just, if you're driving real late and you got to get up the next day or something like that. And then also, I guess we could use this term boondocking for sleeping anywhere for free, right? So I've slept on outside on trails just you know, because that was a place to sleep. I slept in parks outside of a train station waiting because the train left at seven in the morning and we were up till five in the morning. So what's the point in having a hotel if you're just going to wake up in an hour anyway? So these are things you can do. Boondocking. In Japan, I we didn't put this on the list because it's kind of Japan specific. I was thinking of this. So they have internet cafes. Now this isn't boondocking because you're actually paying. But what it is, is they're open all night and they have rooms where you could go on and like play video games and stuff like that on these high-powered computers. And one time we were in Japan, I think we were in Osaka, Japan, we couldn't find a place to stay. And it was like $15 for like four hours or $20 for four hours. And we would just, me and Heather went in and they actually have pads on the floors of some of these if you buy the the bigger you know, cubicles for people to sleep. And so we, people will sleep there. People will also sleep at restaurants in Japan. I guess that's another form of food. They were literally going to a Denny's. The first day I was in Japan, I went into a Denny's and it was like two in the morning and there were literally like 30 people just passed out on tables and they don't kick them out. They just let them sleep the night away on a, like not on top of a table, but with their head on a table. So yeah, there you go. Boondocking. Boondocking. That's what happens when you eat too many moon over my hammies. Have you ever had the moon over my hammy? Trap yes, but unfortunately, Denny's? they don't have that in Japan, Denny's. They got like all <laughs> Japanese foods. I was very disappointed. I wanted a moon's over my hammy or a Grand Slam. <laughs> I would have taken a Grand Slam. You know, we are going to do an episode on our secret indulgences, Denny's. Just right? Denny's. It's going to be like our guilty pleasures when we're traveling. And Trav and I both love to go to local places. You know, we want to, we get ice cream. We want to find the local spot. We want to find the local restaurant, but you know what? I'll save uh, some of my indulgences for that episode, but a little moon over my hammies at Denny's. I'm not going to hate on it. Occasionally I might end up there. Okay. Let's move into number 13 before you get me started on this whole Denny's thing. And now we're more answering- discerning. We're, we're now in hotels, right? We're in for hotel more discerning world. travelers. Yeah. You can still save money when you're doing hotels. Yes. We're going into hotel world and you're listening. You're a budget traveler. I'm a budget traveler. Trav likes to travel on a budget as well. But the reality is all, all of us at some point are going to end up in hotels and we want to end up at hotels sometimes. It's just nicer to have the hotel experience. Say you go away for a weekend to go to a buddy's wedding. You're going to stay in a hotel or you're traveling. You need a night or two nights or a week in a hotel. You're going to stay in hotels. So these are some great strategies to help you get cheaper rates at hotels so you can maximize your accommodations, whether it's getting the best room for the least amount of price. There's a lot of ways to do it. And number 13, I'm going to turn it over to Trav, which is all about hotel points. And since you're the point collector guru guy, let me hear your thoughts on hotel points, how to use them, where to get them, and how you can utilize all those points for free rooms. I mean, it's simple. If you're listening to this, you've probably read the blog at some point or you've, you know, you've probably learned about hotel points and hotel points simply work like frequent flyer miles, but they're loyalty points for hotels, 
which allow you free nights. Easiest ways to get them, if you're American, open up certain credit cards. Other countries have hotel branded credit cards as well. But you know, you open up a credit card, you get two free nights. Um, me and Heather were able to stay at the Park Hyatt Vendome, which we actually weren't that impressed with, but that's a story for another day. It's $1,000 a night. We opened up mm. a Hyatt credit card. It allows you to stay for free at for two nights at any Hyatt in the world. So we spent two nights there. So that that's the gist of it. It's as simple as that. You you know, you know open up hotel credit cards or you have hotel credit cards and you spend on them and you get points for it or you stay at hotels and you work your way up with points that way and eventually it will lead to free nights. And it has allowed us to stay in some really, really nice hotels, a place, a Marriott in Shanghai. We stayed. It was fantastic. The JW Marriott, probably 300 bucks a night, which is very expensive for China. We didn't pay for it. We had a free night. So we use it in that way. We don't stay at hotels a lot, but if we're going to be staying, if we have the point, then yeah, you're right. It's nice to kind of quote unquote pamper yourself sometimes, even though some of these hostels can be awesome. Some of the Airbnb and apartments that we talked about in the first episode can be awesome, but it is nice to know someone's going to take care of you at all times. So that's that's kind of how hotel points work. Pretty simple. Yes, you did use the P word, pamper. <laughs> pamper. <laughs> we are so pampering ourselves. So hold pamper. on, let me, let me add yeah. a little bit to this hotel points thing. There's one tip I do want to share is even if you don't stay in hotels a ton, even if you don't want to get into the credit cards and all that stuff, I've gotten plenty of free hotel rooms just by signing up for the points programs at the hotels, which are free. And if you walk in any hotel and you go to a Marriott, say, or a, a Fairfield Inn, which you might think is just a regular hotel, but it's actually affiliated with Marriott's, you'll see at the front desk, they have their rewards program. Just a guy, when I first went on the road many, many moons ago, told me to just sign up for every rewards program that there is, no matter what hotel I walk into. So that's what I did. Sign up for the rewards program. Keep the number. You never know if you're going to stay at that hotel chain again. Pretty soon, it might sound ridiculous, but maybe over a couple of years, you earn a free night or two. And in the case of Marriott Hotels, I earned many free nights because I ended up with almost half a million points at some point because I was loyal to that chain and I kept staying at that hotel because I was working and traveling. But joining the free rewards programs, I think, is a, is a good thing to do. Yeah, great point. They're mostly branded like, you know, these chains are, have a lot of hotels that you don't know are part of Marriott, like Fairfield and things like that. So yeah, sign up for the hotel things. Uh, you know, there's no point not to get points if you're staying there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so hotel points, pretty easy, pretty basic, but uh, can really, if you're an American, you can get those credit cards, just really crush it. I mean, and stay at some awesome places. 14 is local and boutique hotels. So now we're talking about getting away from the chain hotels. And basically, the tip for this is that uh, you know, chain hotels have a lot of overhead sometimes and and you know, they're not as authentic and we did say pamper. Sometimes you can pamper yourself. But local boutique hotels, I love giving back to the local economy. So if it is a place that's owned by someone locally, I would rather give my money to them anyway than a big chain. And there, there's some really nice places. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? Uh, there's some really nice places. So you can find local and boutique hotels you know, by by searching, uh, they'll show up on all the big search engines as well. But if I, if given my druthers, so we're using all types of words here. Uh, <laughs> we're going I mean, back to like dru- the 1800s here or something. <laughs> is druthers even the right word? <laughs> given given my druthers, I think I'm using that correctly. Um, local and boutique hotels. I like staying at local boutique guest houses slash hotels. And that kind of blurs the line between hostels and guest houses, but I like doing that as opposed to staying at chain hotels. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan. I've stayed in boutique hotels that are in like an old Victorian house or something 
like inside of a house, you know, it's, it's, it's such a unique experience. And going back to our first point in the last episode, you might have a little bit more flexibility to negotiate because a lot of the big corporate chains are sort of hemmed in by these rules. And maybe the people at the front desk only have so much flexibility to give you discounts. Whereas if you're going to a local a boutique hotel, maybe you're dealing directly with the owner, maybe it's a couple that owes a, a B&B or something like that. And you could just have an honest conversation with the owner. If they're empty and they need to fill a room, maybe they'll give you a little bit of a better discount. You can hear our negotiating tips in the last episode, but just another reason not to only support the local economy, but maybe you'll get a little bit of a better rate too. And you also have a unique experience. Let's move into number 15, which is the secret priceline.com strategy. And do you want to, do you want to share this strategy? This is something that's well, you always see the commercials, right? You see William Shatner like bid your own price or get it for whatever you want. And yeah. that is how it is. You bid, but there's ways to know what bid is going to win. And luckily, the people at betterbidding.com, it's like a forum slash website where people say like, I, you know, you want a three-star hotel in New York. Here's what I bid. Here's the lowest. So people using all the information crowdsource information more or less have figured out the best prices. So, you know, you go on a price line on your own and you start bidding, you don't know what the lowest rate's going to be, right? And so you might pay $100 a night when you really could have got it for 70. So, going to betterbidding.com, you can really kind of figure out the best price to get. It will actually narrow down. I know a lot of people don't like doing price line because they don't they want to stay at a specific hotel or they want to make sure it's a good hotel. It will actually you know, people will say, I was on a three-star hotel in New York City in Quadrant, you know, whatever, and here's the hotel I got. Someone else will say, I got that hotel or I got that. So you can kind of actually see where you might be staying as well. Still a little bit of a guessing game, but betterbidding.com takes the guesswork out of it, you know, like 90% of the guesswork out of it. So if you are, I have a friend who does this strategy all the time because she only stays in hotels, which is, you know, fine, although we've given a lot of other recommendations, but... You know, she uses better bidding and then finds a price and then goes on a price line and puts it in and always gets like these amazing deals all over the mm-hmm. all over the world, really. She does it in the US mostly though. If you extrapolate that out, how much money will that save you over time if you're just if you if you figure out how to work that out and everything? It's just uh it's an awesome little trick. For sure. Number sixteen, emailing the hotel. Jason, you are doing this now, right? And this could go for hostels or even Airbnb. It kind of goes in the negotiating thing. It, it falls under that a little bit, but you're doing this now with a local guest house slash hotel. Yeah. This strategy seems to work the most effectively when you're dealing with smaller, maybe hotels or guest houses out of the country by out of the country. I'm, I'm a US citizen. So I'm referring to, you know, you're traveling from out of, out of the States or actually out of any country. And, and what Travis is referring to is we're planning on my wife and I are planning a trip to Nepal and we're looking at some of the different places we can stay in Kathmandu when we arrive. And we're looking at the rates on online. And I'm just basically grabbing, going to the contact section, grabbing the email and saying, hey, it's nice to meet you. Uh, we're thinking about coming to your hotel. My wife and I are going to be staying there for three to four nights. We're lovely human beings, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, say, tell a little story, you know, what, what you're all about, what you're coming in. We can't wait to see the nature and the exciting things that there are to do in Kathmandu. We want to stay in a deluxe room. Do you have a better rate you can give us because we're staying for three or four nights? 
you know, she's already gotten back to me or he, I'm not, I'm not sure because I, I don't think there was a uh, signature on the email there, but I've already gotten them down to $10 less a night than what's advertised online. So if we stay three nights or four nights, that could be 30 or 40 bucks, which in Nepal could cover basically all your meals for those right. three days. So right. it's, it's a, it's a great strategy. It just takes a little bit of extra work. You know, if you don't think you have time for it or whatever, I mean, you can just pick three places. Say you go on a TripAdvisor and you're like, oh, I want to stay three places in this area. Just go to their individual websites and email them all and just ask. And you can also even sometimes play them off each other if you want. But I don't like it to get nasty. I like it just kind of keep it, you know, nice and friendly. And it's a great strategy that works. For sure. It, it definitely does. It's just basically starting the, the negotiation earlier. So instead of negotiating when you're there or negotiating for an extra night after you already stayed, emailing them earlier and trying to get a good deal. And again, local places probably have much more leeway than the Hiltons and Hyatt because they know whatever, you know, it's not our place. We don't need someone in this or that, whoever the customer service rep is. Local places, again, starting the negotiation earlier, we were able to do that. We told the story last episode, the previous one about emailing and getting a place in Croatia. Now, this was on Airbnb, but it was supposed to be $75 a night and we got it for 500 for three weeks. So that plays into the longer stay type mm-hmm. thing as well. But yeah, just email the hotel. Absolutely. And before before we move into the next one, there's just a larger principle that could be at work here that I just want to point out. And that's a lot of these smaller hotels are listed on a larger search engine like TripAdvisor, for example, or Booking.com or whatever. So if you go directly to the hotel website and you're contacting them directly, basically you're circumnavigating that search engine where they would have to pay a fee to if it was booked through them. So they might have more flexibility to give you a lesser rate because if you're booking directly with them, you don't have to go through the search engine and they don't have to take their percentage and it trickles down and, and, and that type of stuff. So that's that could be part of the reason that it works. Excellent point. Excellent point. Talking about bigger search engines. Yeah. Now we'll move right into those because those have advantages too. And number 17, hotels.com. And just share with us the advantage of using hotels.com. Yeah. What I do when I actually do use search engine, hotel search engines, which happens quite often. If, if I have to book a hotel and I don't have free points, then I go on the search engine and I see where stuff is. And this is usually kind of last minute stuff when I'm like, oh, crap, Like I need a hotel for tonight. Whoops. I play them off each other. I kind of look for the best deal. But hotels.com is the one I prefer the most if, if all the prices are the same. And then the next one I'll also mention as well for 18, we'll talk about that, the two that I prefer the most, but hotels.com because they give you the 10th night free. So it's just a reward program for that search engine. So if you book 10 nights, you get the 11th, I guess it's the 11th night free. So, you know, they will take however, the 10 nights, however much you spend on them and give you the 11th night at that thing. So in essence, when you're booking a hotel with hotels.com, you're getting 10% off of your price because eventually you'll get that 11th night free. And I do it little by little. I don't stay at hotels a lot. You guys know that. But I've already gotten one free night through Hotels.com, which we then used for a night in Milan. Now we picked a really crappy hotel for it. But that wasn't Hotels.com's fault. We just made a bad decision. But you know, it was it was like a $70 a night hotel. So it, it, it worked itself out. So if everything lines up and it's the same price, Hotels.com, because they have that rewards program, you know, you're essentially, you can take 10% off that price and say, well, I'll get that back in a free night eventually. 
Sure. It's a great trick and it's something definitely worth looking into. If you want to stay loyal to one search engine, that's going to give you back a little bit. Hotels.com. So yeah, it's a great, great one to go with just for the free night. The other search engine that I will mention that gives you back as well is Rocket Miles. And we have had the founder of Rocket Miles on the show on the podcast. He talked all about how he built the business. Really cool stuff. Their idea is that they want to give back to the customer. And so how they do that is they will offer a set amount of frequent flyer miles. So if you are one of these points earners, if you earn frequent flyer miles and you go to Hotels.com and Agoda and Kayak and all that stuff and Rocket Miles, usually Rocket Miles price will be the same as those other competitors, but Rocket Miles will give you back frequent fire miles, sometimes up to three or 4,000 frequent fire miles a night. So if I go to Rocket Miles and I book a place in you know, in Denver, Colorado, and it's $120 a night, and it was $120 a night on Hotels.com, Rocket Miles may give me 1,000 American Airlines miles a night for that. So stay a couple nights, I'm getting three or 4,000 American Airlines miles. And you can sort it out by what mileage program you want to earn in. And so Hotels.com and Kayak will show you all the options. Rocket Miles is kind of nice if you don't want to sift through 300 hotels. They will only show you the ones there that they have affiliations with, that they've worked with, that then they can get miles back from. And so it limits your options as well. Usually these are a little nicer hotels. So it would be people who want to spend a little more. But like I said, their price is generally the same price as those other search engines. Plus you're getting stuff back. So it's just something to check out. It won't save you money, but I guess in the long run it will because those miles will be going towards free plane tickets. Yeah, it seems like there's always a little bit of a way to either get money off or get a little something back. You know, it's, it's, uh, unless it's just really, and even, even like the super budget hotels, you can still be part of the rewards program. There's always a way to get a little more out of it. I feel like. So that was number 18, right? Rocket miles. Rocket miles 18. Number 19, we're moving into common discounts. And in the U S the triple a discount is, is huge. I mean, it's, I don't mean huge discount in the sense of dollars, but every hotel has a AAA discount. And Trav, I, I got to be honest here. I got to make a confession here. Can I make a confession here? You're you're not a AAA member, but you get the discount? I don't know. Yeah, go. <laughs> I want to hear this confession. I'm hanging my head in shame. It's it's true. I, I apologize to anybody from AAA listening, but you know every hotel has the AAA discount and I always ask for the AAA discount and I am not a AAA member it works every time. I think they've asked for my card maybe under five times, my AAA card in the last, because you get a card if you're a member. I'm not a card carrying member. So I always forgot my card or left it in the car or something inconvenient. And they always just ran it through anyway. So the AAA discount isn't always the best discount because when you ask for discounts, just ask for what the AAA discount is. And then the next question I ask is, is that your best discount? Because it kind of pigeonholes them into giving you the best discount a little bit. I mean, they're looking at the screen, so you never know. But yeah, so that's my confession. It's uh, Confessions of a Cheapskate Traveler. It's a, it's a whole other episode, I guess. But um, apologies to AAA. There are a ton of discounts out there. You're right. I tried this with a car rental the other day. The IBM discount is a good one to use because they have affiliations <laughs> with a lot of companies. He asked for my IBM, like proof that I worked at IBM. I didn't have it. So he actually didn't give me the discount. Yeah, this is a little bit of a black hat tip here. There are a lot of discounts. Sometimes you can just go up and say, 
what are your discounts? And there might be, they'll say like, oh, you fit into this random category of a discount that you didn't even know. Maybe it is, oh, you fit in the, we feel bad for you. You're a cheapskate traveler discount. But whatever it is, they can sometimes work their magic. So it never hurts to ask for a discount with that. Number 20, Jason's favorite trick. Another little (laughs) black hat tip here, right? Like the honeymoon trick. Go ahead. Yeah, the honeymoon trick. This, well, okay. So to be fair, I've used this on my honeymoon and this is kind of where I almost discovered the trick. Although I'd heard about it before, I haven't really used it before. But you have to be traveling with your your significant other, obviously. And if you tell them you're coming into town because you're on your honeymoon, oftentimes you will get some perks added to your room. It might be in the form of a bottle of wine. Maybe they'll just leave like a little gift basket with some flowers and some chocolates or something. Or maybe they'll even give you a room upgrade, you know? So it, it may not be necessarily more money off the room, but oftentimes if you're on your, and I'm using air quotes, honeymoon, you will get some added benefits to your room. Again, I have a confessions of a, of a dirty, cheapskate traveler i'm sorry but we're thinking about pulling the honeymoon trick in the in our trip to nepal here because you know it's close enough to our actual honeymoon which was pretty recently so i'm just calling this yeah it's a second honeymoon yep. you did just get I'm married i'm calling this your honey yeah yeah exactly if you just spin it as a second or third honeymoon you know works it works you know we've renewed our vows run our honeymoon again whatever the honeymoon trick yeah i have heard that it works a bunch of places i found that people haven't had it work when they're actually going on their honeymoon like because they're going to a honeymoon spot like cancun and people like we have no upgrades to give because you know everyone's there on their honeymoon and things like that that's true but yeah yeah, the honeymoon trick and that leads us right into our last one number Mm -hmm. 21 another trick This is the $20 trick. And Trav, you want to share what this one's all about? Yeah, I actually was Googling the other day when I was in Las Vegas about, you know, cheap hotels and there's a million different things come up. But one of the things that came up was the $20trick.com. And it's pretty simple, although it's funny that they have a website based on it because people will write in about whether it worked or not. And that is just slipping the front desk person $20. Twenty dollars. Um, so the bribe. Yeah. So now you don't have to really confess to this one because you're actually doing something. You know, you're you're bribing someone, but you're giving them something, and it's slipping them twenty bucks. Usually, this will land you room upgrades, which if that's a big deal to you and worth twenty dollars to, then that's great. In Vegas, there's a resort fee that all of them charge. It's like eighteen bucks a day. So if you're going to be there for a couple of days, they do have the power to waive that. A lot of people told me you may pay twenty dollars to the front desk guy, and he waives the resort fee for four or five or six or seven nights or whatever. Maybe gives you an upgrade if you're interested in bribing the front desk people. The twenty dollar trick dot com. There is forums of people saying whether it worked or not in certain Vegas hotels. It's predominantly in Vegas, but there, you know, you could try it really anywhere. Yeah, you're just bribing someone. Straight up bribing, man. Have you bribed anybody? I have not bribed anyone. I, I feel bad because I need to start confessing all my travel sins here. But I feel like there was a time that I tried to and it just didn't work at all. I can't remember when it was, but I I have not done it. And I didn't do it in Vegas because I read this afterwards, unfortunately. Mm, Yeah, it's something to try again in Vegas. I've bribed the front doorman to get into concerts before. That's an interesting thing. It's too long of a story to tell right now, but it it did work, although it was a little bit convoluted. The bribe can work. If you want to read a little bit more about the bribe, I read a great book, Trav, called Heads and Beds, A Reckless Memoir of Hotels, Hustlers, 
and So-Called Hospitality by Jacob Tomsky. And this dude is hilarious. He, he, he's worked in the hotel industry for, I think it was like a decade or something. And he writes all about everything that's going on behind the scenes. And he has a whole section about, you know, how to bribe the front desk person and what they're able to do and not do. So if your interest is piqued about the $20 trick or the $20 trick.com, that's a great resource. Or if you just want to read a whole book about what it's like behind the scenes, and it's very funny, Heads and Beds, I strongly recommend. That's our list of 21 when you add in the last episode. It's kind of funny. We ended on something where you're actually giving away money. You know, we're supposed to be <laughs> saving money, but it sounds like you net out in Vegas on this. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. We, we ended there. But yeah, these are our, our 21 tips for saving money on accommodations. Yeah, for sure. And guys, if you are interested in all the stuff that we mentioned, then definitely you can go to the show notes for this episode. It's extrapackofpeanuts.com slash 21ways, W-A-Y-S. We'll put all the show notes in there. So this was a dual part. Guys, thanks for listening. We want to know, put your comments of the best ways that you save money for accommodations because these are just some of our tricks and tips, but you have... You, the listening majority, have so much more infinite travel wisdom than just us two little cheapskate travelers. <laughs> so let us know. Extrapackofpeanuts.com slash 21 ways. That'll be the show notes. Leave us comments there. Of course, guys, thank you for listening. Jace, thanks for coming on again. What a cool two episodes. I mean, we should have known we were going to talk this long, right? It's so fun, man. I think during the episodes, I've thought of like 14 more, but we're not going to add to this list. We're cutting it at 21. We're going to have to carry over into another episode at some point. But thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That was my pleasure. We want to know what you guys want to hear. You now know if you've listened to other episodes that we can talk about almost anything with a halfway decent understanding. So... Let us know what type of shows you want to hear. If you have guests that you specifically want on, I will do everything I can to get guests on, um, no matter how big or small they are. Let me know topics that you want us to cover, tricks you want us to cover, top 10 lists you want us to do. Let me know. Trav at Extra Pack of Peanuts. Again, show us your tweets at Pack of Peanuts. Dude, I'm going to start throwing you some beads when you say that. I wish I could get them through the Skype screen here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, thanks for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until tomorrow, happy free travels. See ya. See ya.